she comes back What if there's no way of moving back What when your face falls apart Have you got enough time from the land of the sky and to high strangers around the globe, this is Joshua P. Warren's Speaking of Strange, hosted by Vance Pollock. Vance Pollock. Vance Pollock. And the world is becoming more and more insane every day. Welcome to the program that gives you breaking news and insight into the paranormal and downright weird where the unusual becomes usual, and we don't just discuss it. We go into the field to investigate. Uh, I'm in the studio. This this fellow whose voice you hear now, Vance Pollock, I'm in the studio with uh, investigator Shelley Wright. How are you, Shelley? Great. How are you? I'm good. And producer Sam the Animal Steel. How are you, Sam? Good evening, Vance. Well, <laughs> we're going to... Uh, I got called... Uh, Vancouver that's in a, a text one. from Shelley the other day. I thought that was pretty good, Shelley. Yeah, Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver. That's not a bad name. Uh, anyway, what do you think of animal harbingers of of sorrow? Despair. <laughs> Har- harbingers of sorrow. Har- that's, harbingers. A, that's a Metallica song. Harbinger. Har- harvester. Harbinger. Har- oh, harvester. harvester. Yeah, you're right. But harbinger is a better word. Harbinger is is a, a good word. Um, forbearer animal harbingers more specifically insect harbingers you know we've uh, got the seven-year locusts around here uh and they they're pretty much on the same schedule in the in the washington dc area but uh a little insight here this is uh i i don't know if this this has been picked up in the national media but the speaking of strange news team is passing word along to us that the cicadas are very loud and disgruntled. <laughs> At least some of the uh, some of the people around the capital are uh, finding uh, the nuisance that these uh, bur- these critters, these bugs, bring not only with their noise but with with their mess. I mean, uh, if you remember uh, when they ever hatched out here around Asheville, uh, you'll be driving down the road just snap, crackle, pop because there's so many. Of these cicada corpses on the on the street, I mean thousands, thousands, if not millions of these things, they weren't due to hatch in the washington d c area until twenty twenty one so the fact that they're four years early leads some people to think it it could be another biblical sign of the end times in u s government. Just a thought. Now, anyway, here's a, here's a thought for you. Uh, that would be like assuming, uh, you know, like uh, somebody in power in Washington could be the Antichrist or something of that nature. But here's the thing: if you're uh, familiar with the Antichrist, which always got me, it said that the Antichrist would be someone who was like kind of hiding in plain sight and beloved by all, right? Like everybody would fall under the spell of the Antichrist, right? And I was like, how how would that be possible? Because you couldn't unite everybody, like, everybody likes Willie Nelson, for the most part. I mean, who, who doesn't like, or Bill Murray. Who doesn't like Bill Murray? But you couldn't get half the country to be, like, if Bill Murray all of a sudden 
uh, half the country would be like, I hate Bill Murray. How is there going to be an antichrist if like half the people are, are <laughs> destined to hate him regardless? You know, that's just the way it's going to be. Like, so how is there an antichrist if? Uh... Good point, Mister Rogers is the antichrist. Mister, that's a good example. Yeah, um, but he's he's dead. I I don't know. You're you're right, Sam. That's a very good point. How could one person get every one, or you know the well, the both both sides to uh, unite? Unite behind them. In the new GQ, there's an article with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And on the season finale of Saturday Night Live, he came out, and I couldn't tell if it was a joke or not. And he's like, him and Tom Hanks, they're like, we're running for president 2022 uh, or 2021, whatever it's going to be. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, you know, because like, that would be a great ticket, Tom Hanks and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, it comes to say that like he's really been considering it. And they're like, go on to say, like, you know, how, uh, you know, enthusiastic he is, how much he cares about things, how he's like the everyman. He fits in uh, with every kind of group of people. And right. they're like, the head of like Sony Entertainment, like billion dollar companies, like, I have 100%. Not, like, he would, he would win. He has that much charisma, that much, you know, he would win. And it's like, you got this thing now where like uh, politicians aren't going to be the president, but I can see a future in which. It's all celebrities now. Right. Oh, yeah, because that would be so much better. <laughs> I, well, well you, I don't know if it could be worse. So. Jesse the Body Ventura, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Al Franken, still in the Senate. Uh, Specifically mm-hmm. like pro wrestlers and bodybuilders, though. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> what's the movie uh, that <laughs> has the ridiculous people in, in charge? Oh, the move! Oh, idiocracy! Idiocracy! Yeah, you didn't give me much to work with there. No, the people. No. <laughs> the the movie with the idiots in charge. Yeah, idiocracy. That's it. Idiocracy. I, a fine film. Uh, and you brought in another film here that I I think uh, uh, might be enjoyable. Drivers you, Wanted. You're gonna like that. It's a, it's a pizza delivery movie that <laughs> I totally flew under the radar, and I'm surprised I didn't seek this out. Actually, a buddy of mine who's uh, who knows some people and has has worked on some uh, indie film screenplays and stuff like that has told me he was going to do a uh, pizza delivery uh, screenplay. But anyway, it's been done. Drivers wanted very and, very dry. Uh, you know, like not laugh out loud. It's like very funny, but very like Clerks. Uh, you know, the first time I saw Clerks, I didn't like it that much. Right. And now I'm like, oh, my goodness, how did I not like it? You know, it, it grew on me. But at the time, there's albums that do that, too. You know, like that. Uh, sure. It, you're just not at the right point for them or you're you, you're in a different phase mindset. You want to laugh more. But that you're going to you're going to dig that. We've said uh, that we were going to start throwing out uh, horror movies. Everybody was going to make their horror movie pick, and I think I got mine because I it it crossed my mind. Even though I haven't seen this movie in at least say eighteen years, has it been that long? Yeah, probably been at least that long. Dust Devil. Do you know the movie Dust Devil? I don't know that one. It's Not familiar. It's set in the outback of Australia, and it's about like this this uh i don't know what you would call him this sort of prowl no not not a prowler what what would you call a, a maybe a vagabond is a good word for it but anyway like a uh, like a drifter i was born to walk alone 
Did you know that White uh, Snake? White Snake originally that lyric was like a hobo. I was born to walk alone, and they changed it because people were singing like a homo. I huh. was born to walk alone, but Hobo's now kind it's of a now antiquated it's like, term. Too. Yeah, like a drifter. That's I a much better. Whoever made alone. that decision. What? Well, yeah, <laughs> they were that, that. Yeah, they were spot on. Like a hobo. Yeah, I've heard the like a hobo version, and it's it just doesn't work. But uh, <laughs> Dust Devil set in Australia. And there's this uh, very sinister guy who roams the uh, outback murdering people. And he's like a demonic presence, dust devil. So uh, if you get the chance, actually, I think it's, it's probably streaming. I, I bumped into it. I didn't watch it again, but I bumped into it in the horror movie listings a while back. And um, so it's out there, dust devil. Check it out. And I ran across a book by that name today that... Uh, that reminded me that i needed to recommend that horror movie it, it's a uh, it's a bad one it's a, a hard r so not for the kiddies but uh pretty disturbing shelly can you throw us a horror movie anything come to mind oh my gosh you didn't, Give me do, a your, you didn't do your homework I, well i did i did other homework as you can see from my notes right shelly took notes shelly actually came into the studio with notes that's like a weird thing that anybody come in the studio with notes. I know it's Other, never except before. for the dark thirty material. I know it. So, oh. so, oh, so you're oh. just not going to even try no, and come up with no, a horror did, movie? Okay, okay, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. It, okay. Uh, um, okay, Cloris Leachman was in it, and there's a hearse, and it like follows her, and and it. That's all I remember. I was little. It scared <laughs> the crap out of me. But it was. It, it wasn't, was, wasn't burnt offerings, was it? No, I don't think so. That's I mean, another it, good one. Burn Offerings is one of those horror movies that I saw as a kid that features a hearse. Cloris Leachman I, followed by a hearse. I think so, it was um, Cloris Leachman. It wasn't Young Frankenstein. No. Uh, what, are we, what year are we talking? Seventies. Probably. Okay. I'm I'm just trying to help you out here. And and it, I was just really really scared, but yet every time it came on, I had to watch it. But you don't remember the name of it. Well, I was little. Give me, give me some, cut me some slack. Okay, Burnt Offerings, nineteen seventy six, six featured uh, Karen Black, Oliver Reed, Burgess Meredith. Ah, Burgess. Uh, anyway, yeah, and a very creepy hearse driver. So I, yeah, that I'll I'll cover for you, Shelley, and Thank I'll, you. I'll throw Burnt Offerings out there. And Cloris Leachman pursued by a hearse. We're just, uh, you're just, we're, we're asking for um, a good horror movie recommendation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What do you got? Okay, um, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. I would like to see it. It's not streaming anywhere at the moment that I know of. Uh, early Peter Jackson, Dead Alive. Oh yeah, very um, good. Very good. Um, you know, like archaeologist or something gets bit. A.K.A. Brain Dead. Yes. Yes. Um, dead Alive. For a long time held the, the title of the bloodiest movie ever. Absolutely. There's that scene with the lawnmower and buckets and buckets and buckets of blood. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a dark it's, comedy. It is a comedy, though. I mean, it's camp, campy. I mean, it is bloody, and it's, but it's, it's funny. You can laugh at it. It's not like a, I don't like this new wave of. Uh, you know, like the saws and uh, uh -uh. hostels. And no, I had to stop watching Hostel Two, and this is back when Netflix had the discs in the mail, because I was like, my mother would be disappointed in me. 
I was like, it was. I was watching, and I was like, this is just. I feel, and that takes yeah. a lot to make me feel icky. And I was just like, this is not doing anything for me. I got that from Hostel. There was no good humor in it. I I, I love a movie like, like Creep Show. Eli oh, Roth yeah. as a director, I think is 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 you know, a Cabin Fever. That was really yeah. good. Oh yeah, it was gross. It was, but it was funny. Um, you know, he I like him as a dude, but that that the Hostels no. I never did see the Human Centipede. I heard uh, craziness about that one. So. Yeah, not probably not my thing. Cloris, Definitely Joshua's. You had to pick Cloris Leachman. She's got Somebody like uh, out there a is, filmography of like eight thousand. <laughs> Somebody out there knows the Cloris I'll Leachman film. It. I want to say it's called something like The Hearse, but I could be wrong. <laughs> did, did you I'll, try that? I'll look. I'll continue searching during okay. the break. You are listening to Speaking of Strange. We're just playing it loose and sloppy tonight, having some fun. Hope you are, too. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Speaking of Strange, I'm your host, Vance Pollock. It's Joshua P. Warren's Speaking of Strange, but we're holding the fort down. Me and Investigator Shelley Wright and Sam the Animal Steel, and uh, I thought we would throw around um, some familiar tales this weekend. Um, By that, I just mean the sort of common threads that run through a lot of the sort of campfire tales the ghost stories uh, we share, uh, and it's not a, a new thing. For example, and this this will illustrate what I'm what I'm getting at, what I'm hinting at, what I'm being maybe a little bit uh, opaque about. Um, I've got here the Searcher magazine. It's uh, published in Southern Pines, North Carolina, so it's a little Carolina centric. 
perhaps, but my point is that these stories have their parallel around the country. The October 1961 edition of Searcher Magazine, it's kind of like our regional version of Fate at that time, features a cover story on Lydia, the true story of the hitchhiking beauty, a ghost who disappears at the end of each ride. The hitchhiking ghost. It's almost uh, got its own niche in the uh, the ghost story realm. And it, interesting that uh, Shelley was talking about The Hearse. We watched the trailer for the 1980 film The Hearse, which Shelley could neither confirm nor deny was the Cloris, the film she thought was the Cloris Leachman film. But anyway, it uh, it talks about The Hearse uh, driving the county roads late at night in search of victims. Uh, on the other side of the coin, the the most popular version of the hitchhiker ghost story is that uh, a young woman who was murdered or killed by a hit-and-run driver, her ghost appears and catches a ride. People actually let her into the car, sometimes drive some miles with her in the car there, and even have conversations with her, and when they get to the address she gives them even, she's gone. And they go to the door and knock and say, I picked up a young lady to to bring her to this address. She told me to bring her to this address, and she's gone. And the person who has answered the door will inevitably uh, say, well, that was my daughter. She She died a few years ago in an accident on that road and I have people come by here every so often on the anniversary of her death or on her birthday or whatever it's very common for people to to pick her up and uh, and she vanishes like so the the hitchhiking ghost um on a more local level I mean every high school kid can tell about a haunted house there was a haunted house quote unquote <laughs> Out in the in the boondocks, I, I should say suburban legend because there's urban legend uh, is is some somewhat of a misnomer I think in this case because suburban legend it's the high school kids that really need to uh, use this story as the motivation to to uh, take people out in the woods to remote spots and and scare the bejeebas out of them. Um, this house. The truth of it, my dad remembered the the history of the house. The guy who lived there was a moonshiner and uh, suspected of running a, having a still in the woods, you know, some distance behind the house. But the, by the time I was in high school, the house was abandoned and uh, had barbed wire around it, even uh, razor wire, if I recall. And the, my thinking there is that they didn't want people, vandals, climbing in there and and uh burning the place down which they probably would have done you know knowing uh knowing some of the rowdies uh in our neck of the woods in those days but the story was that uh there had been a uh satanic ritual murder in that house and uh all the depending on who was telling the story all these uh, details about uh, pentagrams drawn in blood on the porch and the bodies hung up by their ankles and uh, decapitated heads. And the more gruesome, the better. But uh, nothing to this. 
But as you look at almost any regional history, you're bound to find murders. I mean, because murders happen ever so often, even in small communities. Um, there's a story, for example, about a uh, uh, detective in the old days. We're talking like in the Pinkerton detective days, late 1800s, who was looking for uh, a murderer in the Asheville area. And he located the house, the cabin in the mountains, not long before or not long after the person living there had vacated it. He had gathered enough information to tell him the man you're looking for, the wanted man, is staying in this cabin. And he got there just maybe a week or two behind him. But when he pulled up the floorboards and uh, dug around, I don't, I can't remember exactly why he he had the hunch to, to pull up the floor, floorboards and dig under the cabin now. But he found uh, the bodies of children in shallow graves buried underneath that cabin like two two local children who had gone missing. And this is here in the mountains in the late 1800s. So that's horrible stuff. So if that happened, uh, and maybe there's not such a great place to go and visit (laughs) to to vacation or, you know, to uh, um, scare people, maybe there's a housing development built over it now for that matter. So the atmosphere may not be uh, appropriate. For the telling of the story today so people will borrow these stories and transplant them onto the most convenient remote location where they can take their friends especially if you can get some girls in the car and and just absolutely scare the crap out of them yeah, go some, out there and some are just like uh there's a lot of uh ambiguity that could you could intersperse any area of your you know uh like Western North Carolina, like I was reading this one about uh, the infamous North Carolina legend of the Pacatolas Lights. And the Pacatolas Lights is um, it's a train track story. Everywhere has trains. Right. And uh, so train lore goes way back. You know, people fascinated with trains when they were first. Uh, and it says in the early 1900s, a young man rode his horse from Greenville to Pacatolas, which I don't know where it is. I have to look it up. Uh, to surprise his fiancée as she got off the train. Sadly, he was never there to greet her as he caught the attention of three men walking the tracks. Hobos, probably. <laughs> they decided at this point that they should just ride instead of walk to their destination. As he approached, the three men ambushed him and murdered him. His body was hidden in the woods, but his frightened horse took off and returned to Greenville two days later. The family knew the horse returning alone was a bad omen and went to thoroughly search the surrounding area. Their search never yielded any results. The train tracks have long been removed, but the soul of the young man still haunts the area. He is said to appear in the form of a glowing orb of light. Uh, Also, you've heard, like, ghost trains, you know? Like, uh, people will hear a train whistle or see the lights of an approaching train, and it never comes. Sure, the the, uh, ghost train and the the mystery lights, sometimes attributed to uh, trains or or a... uh Conductor or someone carrying a lantern mm-hmm. along the train tracks. That goes as well with the uh, ocean as well, like uh, the the lighthouse men. The yeah, light, the lighthouse light that's on that's not really on. Or yeah, how much of these tales uh, is 
just evoking some primal fear? Is is it just a orig- initially, uh, though it may be based on a few true events, how much of it is just a creative storytelling and how much of it is based in fact? Or was it originally made to maybe uh, rally a community together? You know, because uh, before you had radio and stuff, you had storytellers. Um, Certainly. And, Certainly. Uh, you know, like... Uh, like they, those tales could be told and to maybe give pride to your community or to uh you know uh the uh lost art of mountain storytelling the story of lydia the hitchhiking ghost i think is a fascinating example because it uh provides a lot of details a lot of facts names dates locations and things like that is that why all it takes to really make a a good ghost story, true or not, if oh, you uh, if you oh, yeah like detail, if you provide enough detail, detail. yeah, a kernel so maybe, of truth. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll take a closer look at the Lydia story in particular. It's from a, a rare issue of Searcher magazine, right out of North Carolina here, 1961. When we get back, you're listening to Speaking of Strange. Strange. I'm Vance Pollock. I was telling you I've got a uh, scarce issue of the Searcher magazine from Southern Pines, North Carolina. There was a uh, an author uh, at that time, Nancy Roberts. She wrote a couple of books, uh, a couple collections of North Carolina ghost stories in those days. Josh is familiar with those. Um, but she was also friends with Tom O'Neill, the editor and publisher of the Searcher magazine. He was also the took over the uh, publishing of the Psychic Observer newspaper for some time. That was like the uh, official publication of uh, the Spiritualists, uh, Spiritualist Church in America and uh, at one time had a very wide 
readership and uh, was more popular before World War II, we'll say. But uh, in later years, uh, Tom O'Neill took over uh, the Psychic Observer, and then he passed away within, say, five years or so. So he he became a, a ghost himself in short order. But uh, Nancy Roberts allowed him to publish this uh, article. It's short enough, and it's well-written enough, and it provides enough detail and a good example of what I'm talking about that I think I can read this uh, right out of here for you uh, from the October 1961 Searcher magazine, The Lovely Apparition. There are few men who do not hold within them some experience which time cannot erase. For some men, that experience is a woman. And for Burke Hardison, it will always be Lydia. Nor is he the only man who has encountered her. Since 1923, this young lady has appeared from time to time at her favorite spot. Men who have tried to help her have all told the same story afterwards. The story has been one of complete bafflement and mystery. Burke Hardison met Lydia late one rainy night in the early spring of 1924. He was on his way back from Raleigh, North Carolina to his home in High Point. The evening had been spent with friends made during his college years at NC State College, and it must have been almost two o'clock as he neared the little community of Jamestown. All around him, the countryside slumbered under a billowing blanket of fog. Even the most obvious landmarks had silently vanished, and there was an air of unreality about the misty world through which he drove. Along with this air of unreality came the feeling that all other life had ceased to exist save himself. For miles there had been no other cars, but his eyes still strained as he peered through the mist for taillights ahead. In front of him loomed the Highway 70 underpass. For a moment the fog seemed to clear. He was no longer alone. At the mouth of the underpass stood the slight, graceful figure of a girl. Dressed in a white evening gown, her arm was flung upward, signaling desperately for him to stop. Even before, before he pulled to the side of the road, he knew she must be in some terrible distress. He opened the door of the car as she came toward him. "'Please, will you help me get to High Point?' pleaded a soft, tear-laden voice. "'I'm on my way there now, and I'll be glad to help you,' replied Bert. A gust of fog entered the car as the girl slid in beside him. He could see the pale blur of a lovely face surrounded by a halo of dark hair and the diaphanous cloud of her white dress rested on the seat. After she had given him the address of a street he was vaguely familiar with, they drove in silence. Nearing High Point, he felt that he must find out more about her and began to question her. Her name was Lydia, and if there was more than that, it faded into the fog. Her words seemed almost detached and so faint that he could hear them above the sound of the motor only with the greatest effort. She seemed deeply distressed at the late hour and afraid her mother would be worried about her. Gradually, he gathered that she had been to a dance that evening in Raleigh, but what had happened and how she came to be standing alone in the fog at the underpass, she either could not or would not tell him. At times, she failed to answer him at all. "'Why do you question me?' she finally asked. "'Nothing is important now, but that I'm going home.' So nothing more was said. He found the street she had given him, and there stood the house on the corner just as she had described it. Well, he would not bother her further. Opening his door, he got out and walked around to the other side of the car, and then he held the door open for his young passenger. But as he stared into the blackness of the car's interior, he gasped in amazement. The car was empty, 
His companion was gone. Nor was there a sign of any living being near it. The only movement was that of the fog as it swirled in front of his headlights. For a moment he stood as if dazed with his hand still on the door. Then such a cold chill swept over him that he slammed the car door too and pulled his coat close around him. Perhaps she had slipped into the house without his seeing her. He knew that he must find out. It was several minutes before his knock was answered, and then it was not Lydia who opened the door, but the resemblance was there in the face of the old lady who confronted him. I'm Burke Hardison, and I just brought your daughter home, but she seems to have disappeared. Is she here? asked Burke. For a moment, the old lady didn't answer. He could see the bright shimmer of tears welling in her eyes behind her glasses, and she seemed to crumple before him. Are you trying to play some cruel joke on me, she said. His bafflement turned to anger, and he would have answered harshly, but the tragedy in her face was genuine. He explained how the young girl had stopped him at the underpass and begged him to take her home. And then he told how he had arrived at this address only to open the door of the car and find she had disappeared. I had an only daughter named Lydia, said the old lady. A year ago, she was killed in a wreck near the underpass as she was coming home from a dance. Tears slid helplessly down her cheeks. This is not the first time people have tried to bring her home, but somehow she never quite gets here. Oh, Lydia. The lovely apparition. Jamestown, North Carolina. I'm not sure exactly where Jamestown NC is, but apparently somewhere between Let's say Raleigh East. and High Point, huh? Over in the land of uh, vinegar-based sauce. <laughs> For you barbecue enthusiasts. Or would that be mustard over there? I don't know if they're vinegar or mustard in Jamestown. That's a, t- oh, that's a tough one. That's, that's a question. <laughs> so, what, what goes on in Jamestown? Lydia oh, Hitchhikes. That's where, that's that's where she was. Yeah, okay. that's, where, that's where Lydia was. Highway 70 overpass in Jamestown, North Carolina. Shelly, I know you've heard the hitchhiking uh, ghost stories. As a matter of fact, you've got a a uh, bound volume, the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits by Rosemary Ellen Guiley, right here on the counter. You you found this one digging, Sam? Yes, sir. That's a good one. It was a present yeah. from it's, Sam. It's very Thank nice. You. This will look good on the shelf at Nevermore Mystical Arts, uh, Shelley's Paranormal Boutique, 1271 Sweeten Creek Road. We stopped by there. My wife and I stopped by the other day. She loved it. Shelley, you'll like this. She took some pictures around the shop, didn't say anything about it, just posted some of those pictures on Snapchat for her sister and uh, a few friends. Guess what her sister said? The first thing her sister said, they're twins. Mm -hmm. Her sister said, you need to get me some tarot cards for my birthday. (gasps) Ooh. Uh, And guess what? Uh (laughs) Lynn already got her sister. She's already gotten them. Yeah. So that's that's the twins, the intuition. That's another example of the the sort of thing. Everybody has a twin, psychic twin uh, story or two. Did you ever know any psychic twins, Sam or Shelly? No, just those really overweight ones in Hendersonville, <laughs> Flat Rock. Right? The brothers, yeah, they're in the Guinness Book, world's heaviest twins. Yeah. Uh, I'm just flipping through uh, Rosemary's book here to I, see. I flipped if, through it, and it was like, that's definitely up Shelley's alley. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is good I love stuff. her books. It's nice to have things uh, in like an encyclopedia. Reference. 
form there. Reference books. Lot, lots of uh, biographical data and things like that. I wouldn't uh, doubt but what there's an account of a hitchhiking ghost in there if you would yeah, know where to I'm look I'm trying to think like what it was. Uh, I'm picturing black and white, but I'm picturing new black and white, you know, like it was meant to look old. And I'm thinking it was like maybe like a, a Tales from the Dark Side or um, uh, a Twilight zone type show, you know, like a, something spooky like that about like a prom – like a car driving down the road, and was like a fifty-something Chevy, and uh, the radio would mysteriously turn to a song, you know, like Earth Angel or something. I know that's later than the fifties, but, um, but uh, you know, that would like a song would crackle over the AM radio, and then like uh, there would be a guy on the side of the road or a girl, and like the guy would give the girl a, a ride and say like, "Oh, were you in a wreck or something?" That seems to be like that type of story is. Uh, Passed around all over the place, the the hit like like Lydia, like the hitchhiking girl who wasn't there. Um, I, I can't. I'm trying so hard. It's like when you're trying to think of something you can't. There's that Twilight Zone uh, episode about the hitchhiker where uh, there's this this kind of scrubby looking hip, hitchhiker hobo, perhaps oh, oh, a drifter. <laughs> this uh, scrubby looking drifter is thumbing a ride uh, as this lady drives across country. And, uh, of course, she doesn't give him a ride. She just sees him standing there, and she drives and stops at a cafe uh, and drives a little more and sees him standing on the corner thumbing again. And she starts to get, uh, you know, very nervous because she's seeing this same hitchhiker as she drives across, you know, no man's land. And uh, finally, uh, he approaches the side of her car and, uh, you know, leans in the window and says, going my way, and she speeds off, you know, spins out and leaves him in a cloud of dust or whatever. Well, the punchline at the end for you uh, Twilight Zone buffs is she's in a car accident, and the hitchhiker was just Mr. Death coming for her. The most, well, it's, a, it's a pretty good, pretty good episode. The most famous of those, tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> you're listening to speaking of strange
little fun with you here in the nighttime in the WWNC 570 studios, bringing you Joshua P. Warren. Speaking of strange, we just uh, we're all over the board again tonight. During the break, I'm showing uh, Sam and Shelley pictures of a fossa. Have you ever seen a fossa before? It's native to Madagascar, and it's a long. I mean, it those those legs, powerful. I mean, I saw pictures of people like holding one that they had tranquilized and trapped. And he's an armful. I mean, but he looks like a big, uh, angry jungle cat. But he's a closer relative to the mongoose. He is a meat eater. He's pretty uh, scarce, I suppose, endangered. But uh, that long tail, I'm I'm thinking uh, if some of these phantom animals, that's another concept that pops up from time to time, uh, especially uh, cryptozoologists will talk about phantom animals or phantomals. And it doesn't necessarily mean the ghosts of animals, but the appearance, the anomalous appearance of animals out of their habitat. It's not unusual to hear reports of kangaroos in places where kangaroos don't belong. And usually uh, it's explained away as, oh, a kangaroo escaped from a zoo, etc. Et but um, there was a kangaroo sighting in Biltmore Village in the 80s. You heard about that, about that one? Well, I did. Uh, there were... Uh, there was a phantom baboon sighting in in Monroe, North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte, uh, on my wife's, on the actual date of my wife's birth, when we were doing some research on the fire monkey uh, sightings up here in the mountains, we found that there was precedent for that, that there was a phantom baboon sighting in Monroe, North Carolina. I mean, it, it doesn't seem all that dramatic to just tell it. Uh, face value but if you walked out i tell you though if you walked out you your see door a baboon, a baboon out your door <laughs> it's gonna be dramatic <laughs> if you experience it it's gonna be pretty pretty dramatic you scoff now <laughs> but you wait till it's you and a baboon and the... you wait until you walk outside and see a fossa <laughs> perched on the hood of your car yeah this uh, this guy's evil looking i think i want to print like a picture of him and hang it on my son's wall <laughs> why, why would you <laughs> to, to terrify my my kids put a, little, yeah. put a little hair on his chest <laughs> you need to learn to learn to ride with fear <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it's a creepy one uh shelly found it in in this uh rosemary ellen galley's ghosts and spirits which sam just brought in tonight the encyclopedia of ghosts and spirits that's the kind of producer i am shelly knew uh where to find it there's an entry that runs for a couple pages on phantom travelers it's a phenomenon i mean it's a it's a repeat performance and nothing unique about lydia's situation they they uh appear on on trains in train stations airports um along highways the phantom travelers and usually uh the backstory when when it comes down to it Similar to that of Lydia's, the, the person died in an accident or uh, went missing in the area, and their their ghost appears uh, from time to time. Uh, 
Sam, you were talking about other examples of uh, mystery uh, locations around North Carolina. Yes. And you can almost uh, transpose those onto other states. Um, you see the lists tend to be sort of regional or state-specific, but uh, places like Helen's Bridge, uh, listeners around Asheville love to hear us talk about Helen's Bridge, and though that may be a little Asheville-centric, the concept of a haunted place where a mother uh, committed suicide is uh, is very, uh, very common. I, I think I've told you, I don't know if I told maybe I've told on the air, my Helen's Bridge story when I first moved here. And I got my license. Uh, this kid in my uh, class, he was like, oh, you know, because I'd, I'd just moved here. I didn't know anything about it. So he takes me. I'm driving. He takes me up there one night. This is by, back in uh, 93, maybe, 92, 93. And uh, I parked the car, and it's pitch black up there, you know, and uh, you can't see anything at night. And uh, so we get out, and I'm like, I don't know where I am. I don't know the whole story. All I know is that, like, there's supposed to be this ghost named Helen up there. And so we go into the bridge, and we, you know, he's like, he's got to say her, you got to call her name out three times, and we do it. And on the third one, the light comes on in my car. Now, what it was was I was parked on a hill, like, kind of in the ditch there, and so the door hadn't latched all the way, and it just kind of unlatched enough for the light to come on. Still, rather odd. And the timing was just right. To now, it. now was it the timing? Or was it Helen opening the door? And no, who knows? But all I can say is that when it's so dark out there that when the interior dome light of a car comes on, boom! I mean, it's like it's bright, you know. Yeah, it's gonna attract your attention. Everybody's got their Helen's Bridge stories here in Asheville. Wherever you are around the globe, what are some of your favorite hometown haunts? Put them on the Facebook page. Put them on the Facebook page. Speaking of strange. We'll be back with hour two. Who knows what we're going to get into after this break? Stick around. <laughs> 